0: I'm
1: Charlie Taylor.
0: I'm Ben Carter. I run hip-hop by the numbers on Twitter and Instagram, where I use hip-hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And threads. And
1: occasionally, And I'm well, direct to the... Yeah. F- <laughs> I'm to to the fifth... element. Well, I highlight like the fifth element hip-hop, with knowledge. I make hits. Not Ben. I tell him what to play. Understand?
0: It'll be, it'll be st- <laughs> the you know, I'm watching this I'm status. watching the movie Munich, if anyone's watched Munich before and it's got Eric Banner in it. And he's meant to be part of he's meant to be from Israel, but he's obviously Australian. So like every third word has an Australian accent. It is he is the worst. It is intolerable. Like he's talking along and he's you know, he kinda sounds a little bit non-Australian, and then he'll go, Yeah, mate, at the end of it. Like... <laughs> No, stop it. And then they've got Daniel Craig, but he's playing a South African. And, like, so he slips in and out of a South African to, like, straight up British. Oh, it's terrible. It's a mess. I haven't had a lot of sleep, guys. I've been up all night just watching shitty movies with Australian actors doing shitty fucking accents. It's uh, It's been fun.
1: Fun fact. Eric's actual name is Eric Banadinovich. Hi, Bim. Is it? How's your week, Bim? What have you been listening this week? I did yeah.
0: not. I was not aware of that. Um, okay, this week, uh, oh, I've got to get the list up. I've only listened to like three albums this week. Um, obviously, I listened to King Von's Grandson. Uh, it's his, I think it's his first posthumous album or maybe the other. his previous album just came out just after he passed, but this is definitely a posthumous album, you know, created after he passed away and it doesn't seem like there was, you know, much care or thought going into it. Again, it's just... It's a posthumous album it just feels like lucy's over the top of production that he didn't choose it's a tough listen because his last project was incredibly tight uh it was in from start to finish it was emotional it was passionate it was powerful and you know it kind of feels a little bit how we were speaking about with the pop smoke albums where pop smoke was trying to st- he was starting to learn how to sing and he was starting to go in that direction and it was early days for him. He was very young, King Von, very young, very young, and very, very early days in their artistic career. So, finding those songs and those offcuts and then putting them on officially released projects, it's done. I don't know. It just doesn't. I could be wrong. It could have been. You know, King Von may have crafted the entire thing from start to finish before he passed away, and then then just releasing it. That could be the case. But it, it didn't. Didn't hit as hard as his previous tapes for me. Um, it was a bit disappointing. That, of course, there's some brilliant stuff on there because it's King Von. Like, he's an incredible vocal presence on the mic. And he's incendiary. He is. He's, he's passionate and energetic and fiery. So there's some great stuff on here. But as an overall listen, it's a mess. Fortune favors The Bold by Dave East. Dave East, the person that we maybe have talked about the most on this podcast. We talk about Dave East. It's just random references to Dave East. I don't hate it and i thought i would because the reason i love dave east is when he pops up on features he's an incredible impact feature like he just drags the energy of the song towards him he's incredible vocal presence incredible presence on the microphone great voice great vocal tone and this is long man this is like 20 something tracks and he's just singing on some of these and some of these are slow songs and all these different types of songs and i i like it i put it on in the background and played it three or four times in a row and I didn't feel like I needed to turn it off um I enjoyed it it's it's not it didn't hold my attention like crazy it didn't drag me in like uh, previous Davies projects have on occasion but I, I thought it was okay I like the direction he's going in and maybe I, I didn't think I would you know I thought he was going to go down more the Baldy James Griselda kind of direction but he hasn't gone that way at all it's again it's this feels like a major label album but he pulls it off okay it's it's not it's not bad um but it's it's too long Uh, PJ Harvey dropped an album a couple of weeks ago and I have just been listening to it consistently over and over again. I don't even need to, if you know anything about PJ Harvey, you just need to know whether this is a PJ Harvey album or not and it just fucking is. So you're just going to go listen to it and you're going to love it because she has one of the most consistent discographies in music history and this is just another entry into that. Um, And there was one more. Uh, I listened to Local Natives. They dropped time will wait for no one and i feel like i've wasted however long this album went for in just my time like you know don't put time in the title and then just proceed to release one of the most boring useless albums in history it's just soft indie rock it it would have been embarrassing in 2008 and it certainly is embarrassing in 2023 it's not a listenable album um, so yeah, it was a disappointment, and that was it, that was the only albums I listened to this week. What about yourself, Charlie?
1: Yeah, I got some good stuff this week, um, d- chiseling down the backlog a little bit, uh, we're getting there, we're getting there very, very close, uh, but yeah, uh, Adrian Young, Tony Allen, uh, Tony Allen's JID018, uh, but no, Ali G. Mohammed, funny enough, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, Obviously, posthumous album, halfway uh, considering uh, the death of Tony Allen. I think it was l- two years ago now. Um, but yeah, man, this is a very, very tight record. Um, uh, just a uh, just over twenty-seven minutes, eight tracks, and um, is just a good. I mean, if you've never been to never listened to Tony Allen uh, drums at all ever. Um, then this is a good start because uh, you know it's a, like I said tire records, very quick, comes and goes very easily, very easy listen, very rhythmic, um, just great sounds that Adrian Young adds around it around his drums. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's a good uh, a good entry point um, to you know one of the best drummers of uh, you know the past however fucking long <laughs> however fucking long you want to go back. Uh but yeah, he's uh absolute G. So uh yeah, solid album. Uh cooking Soul, uh whatever, volume five, little beat tape. Just um well half half beat tape and uh basically the album itself is um he basically puts his own beats over, you know, freestyles of note. Um so I think there was a Denzel one, a couple of LA Leakers ones, uh a Redman freestyle from I think like Naive. 90- or something. Uh, that was kind of fun. Uh, Griselda, I think, uh, related uh, things. To a couple of them. Pretty Gibbs one. But yeah, there's some. If you like the artists themselves and if you like those freestyles, um, I think he did the J. Cole one from the LA Leakers last year. Um, so yeah, yeah Cooking Soul over some, well, freestyles of note over Cooking Soul beats. Can't complain. Solid. Uh, Coat the Friend Pro T. I'm um, assuming I say say it, um, but yeah, this is um, this is good. I really enjoyed this. Um, very summery, back to the summer, summer vibes uh, for Code of the Friend. Oh, I mean, he's always been on that kind of <laughs> kind of wave, to be honest. Um, this is especially that, um, especially that. Uh, this is just under 50 minutes. Uh, really, really solid record. Um, uh, Sam Henschel on Barcelona. That whole track is. Oof, might be songs of my my twenty twenty three uh uh list is just such a tune. <laughs> it's such a tune. Really reminds me of like Slide with uh, Calvin Harris and um, uh well Migos and Frank Ocean. Really that kind of essence. Exactly. If you like that, spin Barcelona. It's literally like very similar in beats, uh, beat pattern, and uh you know code the friend and Sam Henshaw. Just uh you know skate on it. Uh, Braxton Cook on Awesome in Paris, really solid. Uh, Hello O'Shea on a couple of these tracks, uh, really good uh, performances on that. uh, Tank, uh, Tariota Tank-Bell of Tank the Bangers, uh, she appears on NOLA 2, very solid New Orleans track if you want to get into that as well. Um, But yeah man, really good album, really solid, um, you know, classic kind of just coat of the friends, positivity, you know, doing me, travelling, doing shit. Very Co The friends. Um, if you if you like Co the friends. Um, there's there's already no uh, no reason why you wouldn't like this uh, in any fashion. Uh, Melonix Soul Glow. Okay, so um, I saw Melonix along with a couple of a few other artists um, a couple of weeks ago at the Jazz Cafe, um, part of the Global Soul Showcase. Um, Global Soul is a um, just a well, kind of like just a internet radio. Uh, station, but they also do events as well, and put on independent, um, independent nights, um, which is always um, a positive in my book. Um, and Melonix was one of those. I got into Melonix personally a couple of years ago uh, from their Black Elixir EP. Really enjoyed it. Some solid stuff on there. Um, could really just you know see the potential there. Uh, this is a duo um, from Nottingham, so it's a very you know harmonize-y kind of thing going on. Um, but the beast on here. Very hip-hop-y. Very hip hop You know what I mean? Just got some smooth beats on here. Uh, really good stuff. Really here for that. And, you know, they just uh, float all over it, man. It's really good stuff. Um, they do commit a cardinal sin, in my opinion, uh, where they have songs from the Black Elixir EP and have just plopped it onto this album. So they have songs that are like two, three years old on here, uh, which is a cardinal sin. But... Regardless of that, they are good tracks. Um, I can't complain. Uh, Energy, Solar Power, Solar Power is really good. Uh, really good track. Uh Melanin Queens, Made to Suffer, Keep Stepping. Really good stuff all over the uh, all over the spot. Um, just yeah, if you just want a, if you want to follow a good R&B duo, which I don't think there are many of these days. Um, you know, Melonix is you. It's spelled M-E-L-O-N-Y-X by the way. Uh, but yeah, and fire album cover really fire album cover really really like the album cover. Uh, P Money money over everyone four. Uh, I like some P Money now and again. You know what I mean? Just uh, he just he just comes through with some good tracks here and there. Sprinkles it throughout the uh, throughout the couple of years. Um uh, remember like uh, he had like a track with Chip and Dizzy a couple of years ago. I want oh, D W. That was god. Oh, that was a bang up. Um, yeah, Money Over Everyone 4, obviously continuing in his mixtape series. Um, Boz and Dat, Keep Your Distance, and Wagwan Mummy, top tier, just three-track stretch. is so fucking good. Oh, my gosh. So keep Your Distance is great because he just keeps saying, do not chat to pagans, uh, and it's perfect. Love it. Um, Wagwan Mum Z, Wagwan Mum Z sorry, um, is just like him, DW, Jamie, and Frisco on this beat. And it's so frenetic, and the chorus is hilarious. Where he's just, <laughs> where they're just asking, uh, an op op's mum, like, where is he? Basically, and it's just oh, the it, the imagery is so good. It's just perfect picture painted. Um, past that, you know, you got some fun ones. Uh, corrupt FM on ends, really good track. If you like corrupt FM, you like, uh, you know, people just do nothing. If you like watching those. Um, definitely give that a spin. Uh, them guys with AJ Tracy uh really good stuff um but yeah man really solid uh, e- uh, really solid mixed can't complain uh, just under 54 55 minutes uh, so yeah worthy of a spin if you're into p money especially uh low village yellow brick road okay so this was kind of weird one cuz I was kind of just recommended this um out of the blue and I didn't really know anything I still don't know anything about low village um I just know it's a trio a rare trio comprise of two dudes and one woman. And uh, you'd think, Fuji's vibes, right? No, no, no such thing as that. Um, it's got this... I don't know, it's kind of got this... Uh, it's like an R&B overall, but, you know, the, the one of the dudes is kind of... that. Well, they both rap, and Homegirl comes through with some vocals, right? So that's what you get on the face. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's... Um, there's something there's something missing for me personally, uh, when I'm listening to it. I don't mind the vibe. It's calm, it's sweet, I like it. Um I don't know. I just didn't really just didn't really embrace me like I wanted it to. Um it's just under thirty five minutes, so it's not that long of a listen. Um, might be worth another spin for me personally. Uh but yeah, there's some there's there's some okay, you know, moments. Uh, but yeah, nothing really. Nothing really grabs me by the throat, you know. what I mean, just like goes love me. Um, but yeah, solid album nevertheless. Can't complain. I'll I'll definitely give them. You know, a follow and see what they see what they do in the future. Because um, you know, how often do you see a trio of uh, two dudes and one woman? Uh, and lastly, Rum Gold, spelled R U M dot G O L D, and uh, it's called Street Anthology. So this dude's from Washington, Chocolate City. Um, it's uh, about 40 minutes He myself. And yeah, if you kind of like, it's kind of like Blood Orange, um, but more, but with less synthy elements, I guess. Um, much more piano laden, acoustic, these kind of things going on. Um, the tracks from Mariba and Kia Victoria are really good. Um, past that. There's no other features. It's just him, and um, I think he carries it. He carries the album very well. Um, I think I really like the especially piano-led elements. Uh, there's, I think it's blessed. Yeah, I think blessed is the track where it's just him and a piano, and he's just he's just crooning, and it's beautiful. It's really good stuff. Um, so yeah, man, uh, really good stuff all over the spot. Definitely awful right after it. Glory days near the end. Um, yeah, man. It's just, uh, it's just. There's some. There's some real soft soft tunes on there. Um, and yeah man. It really really takes care of you as you listen. And when that said we jump into our true H H N once again, Hip Hop Neighbours. Uh and yeah, we got a uh, one H as per. For those that don't know, Hip Hop Neighbours, kind of just a thing we do now and again. Uh where we pick an album that is kind of outside the realm of hip hop, but, you know, firmly can be listened to by hip hop fans because you know we can branch out guys it's okay guys you can listen to whatever you want guys if you want to listen to some aqua
0: go listen to aqua (laughs) that's your prerogative just don't (laughs) share it with me
1: if you want to listen to banana rama it's all good hey Um, come um, on now banana Rama's not that bad
0: like (laughs) it's got they got some bangers in their catalog there's no there's no lies about that
1: do they okay i'll leave you to that (laughs) Uh, f- famous ben, but a famous banana Ronald fan Benjamin Carter um but yeah you know it's just one of those one of those things just talk about some albums that are kind of just you know just outside the realm of hip hop but you know has some maybe elements of of it or leans towards the uh leans towards the tastes of someone who might be into hip hop um i mean you lot just you lot just put carty one uh, and it's basically a rock album so you know what are we doing here um so yeah we're gonna get into it, uh Ben. Do you want to start? uh We're Yeah, I will. So, Banana Rama, deep,
0: deep Sea Skiving. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great you album. You know,
1: offer it, or did you have to look it up right quick? Just no,
0: nah, I had to look it up. I don't know. Does anyone <laughs> okay. know bananarama Rama albums? <laughs> like, no one I their albums. no, geez. That was no,
1: no one knows Venus,
0: it. and that's it. That no their albums. So, I'm gonna talk about Gil Scott Heron's. Is it Gil Scott Heron mm-hmm. or jill Scott Heron? How do you say it? I say Gil. Gil Scott Heron. That's how I say it too. Um, so we're talking about Gil Scott Heron's uh, "I'm New Here," which came out in 2010, I think. 2010, 2011, 2010. So this is the album that introduced me to his music, um, but certainly not his name. I'd heard him spoken of often in the source and Double XL, usually in interviews where. People talk not just of his influence, but his his presence, like his physical presence, kind of wandering into the orbit of legendary rappers and leaving them with a story to tell and one that they're happy to tell in interviews and in books. So even if you know his, if you don't know his name, sorry, you'll surely know the Revolution will not be Tev- televised, which is his iconic poem over the top of a straight up jazz soul beat, and it's regularly and referenced Whitey on the moon in in musical history as one of the most influential poems, songs, whatever you want to call it, political statements. The Guardian's obituary from 2011 opens with this sentence. The music world was mourning Gil Scott Heron, the troubled poet and musician, whose groundbreaking The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, became a beacon for emerging rap and hip-hop culture. So in their 2010 article, uh, the Guardian actually called him the godfather of rap. And it wasn't just his spoken word form over the top of inventive instrumentals. It was his dedication to the political and social issues that were plaguing America and the Western world in the 60s and 70s. This became the blueprint for rap, an emerging political movement within a musical genre that's obviously since seen some of the greatest political statements ever made, either in music or anywhere else. But his life was by no means easy. He battled his demons for the majority of it, and sometimes they won, sometimes he triumphed, but ultimately... The pain and even agony that you hear at times on I'm New Here were a huge part of his life, for a long part of his life. And prior to this record, he hadn't released an album since Spirits in 1994. And according to The Guardian, this record was an incredibly long time in the making I'm New Here. Lifelong fan Jamie Bing, who was the owner of Gate Books, dedicated himself to republishing Scott Heron's two out-of-print novels in the mid-90s, and they became friends. This friendship led Scott Heron to Richard Russell, who was the head of the iconic XL Recordings. Now, the two actually met while Scott Heron was in Rikers Island due to his legal issues in the early 2000s. And Russell said this of their first meeting in an interview. By the time you get to see the person you've come to visit, all your possessions have been stored in various lockers and contact with the outside world seems like a memory. The contrast of Gil's spirit intact and inspiring with the bleakness of surroundings was inspirational. It's hard to appreciate something as fundamental as freedom when you have it. Gil was peaceful while surrounded by misery and tension. It confirmed my hunch that he still has a lot to give to people. So it's a bit shocking to me that no one else believed in this energy enough to help revitalize his career prior. But in the end, we get an album from a man who has traveled far and fucking wide, not just physically, but psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually he's very frank and open on this record and it's impossible not to believe that there's absolute truth in everything that he says you know his dissections of his life his mistakes his thought processes they're so potent it's almost a stereotype you know the well-traveled man who sits down at the end of his day and delivers deep insight it's not often played out in real life on a stage this big. It's, it's a trope in TV shows and movies, but it's not common to hear like genuine, authentic stories of this. So it's an album that I feel is almost entirely unique. I spoke about Johnny Cash's final series of recordings um, a couple of weeks ago. I forget under what context that, war, context that was. But that felt like Rick Rubin was leading and Johnny Cash was following where Rick Rubin went. On I'm New Here, it feels like Richard Russell provides a pretty blank canvas and Gil Scott Heron just starts creating magic. And I think the best place to start about the album is that canvas because it's masterfully done. So much so that even the truly brilliant We're New Here, which was the album being remixed by Jamie XX of the XX, it kind of makes you want to go and listen to the original, even though it's really fucking good. Like, it is really, really good. So good even that Drake and Rihanna just took... um, that song care take care like they just they just took it straight up because it was just that good but you know the way that richard russell tapped into all the different eras of gil scott heron on this on this album is is masterful and i see what he did here i mean the opening poem is set on top of flashing lights by kanye west and you know i want to go through each of these songs and kind of highlight what richard russell did because as a super fan of gil scott heron he really did attempt to capture all the major genres and mashups that scott heron had dipped into over the course of his career so obviously the poem is started on the intro and ended on the outro set over the top of kanye's flashing lights so immediately we have hip-hop in the mix me and the devil is just a romp it has funk elements at the start before this like insane percussion section that sounds like a slow march through mud with synths on top of it that make it sound a little bit like clint eastwood by gorillas that's like I was I've never had that like association until I was listening to it again the other day. I'm like, that kind of sounds like that. I'm New Here is a beautiful song, a simple acoustic blues riff with Gil Scott Heron crooning about the act of redemption. Your soul and mine is electronica utilizing synths at the end of the track to give it like a really smooth transition. I'll take care of you is a slow piano number it kind of feels like we're at a Celine Dion concert like it's super dramatic it's so dramatic and it fits the narrative stunningly and again Gil Scott Heron just skates vocally on top of it where did the night go is is the most tense beat on the album there's definitely a beat it sounds like a, a hip-hop beat like a real something that would come out of I don't know Shabazz Palaces or Cities of Viv or something like that even clipping or something like that you know um new york is killing me another hip-hop beat with hints of country on top of it you know angel hayes even used that song for her breakout single and running this is another hip-hop beat the crutch is menacing it builds off like this single drum and then recedes before anything can join it and gil scott heron is almost whispering over the top of it and i think it's the perfect way to end the album musically It's kinda just Gil Scott Heron speaking over a sparse beat, and that's all he ever really needed. It isn't some grand jester or some huge explosion of energy at the end. And I think that's in keeping with the project, that's the point. Gil Scott Heron drives the energy of every single song on here. And, you know, the beats are just there to give context, a little bit of context. It really doesn't need much more than that. And Gil Scott Heron's spoken word gospels on here, they really do dive deep into his own history. And the things he's seen and felt on this earth. Me and the Devil is his most played song on spot, off the album on Spotify for a reason. It's a dark insight into someone who later says in an interlude, and he, he laughs at the end of it, he says, if you've got to pay for everything you've done wrong, I've got a big bill coming. And then he just kind of laughs. you know. And, that, and again, these are just the, the little asides that are in the album, like just witty turns of phrases. So he states things as clearly as you possibly could. Without sitting you down and giving you a forensic explanation of everything he's engaged in, if that makes sense, like it's evocative and impactful enough to drag pretty much anyone into whatever mood he creates. He's an absolute fucking master. And if you know we're looking at MC from the pure master of ceremony, someone who gets up there and manages a crowd, this is just fucking masterful. Like straight up, um, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, on the next song, for example, we get a different side of Scott Heron, which is the charming, witty side um and yeah th- this might be one of the best response songs i've ever heard because he delivers these sprawling stories with spoken word he he slips in a crooned no matter how far you've gone you can always turn around and i don't know if he's singing that to himself or you know the way that i've always interpreted it he's singing to anyone daring to follow him down the path he was just walking down on the previous track i mean i feel like both could be true he could genuinely be singing it to himself because you know the way that he's talking about all the things that he's experienced and you know the things that are torturing him and the things that are going through his mind he's, he's done some stuff that he's not proud of he even says in the interlude you know i've done a lot of bad things so i'm gonna have to pay for them so i always do wonder if he is actually talking to himself and trying to reassure himself and say that even though i have done wrong i can always come back or it's just a cautionary tale like don't fucking follow me down this path because it's not a path you want to tread down either way it's fucking brilliant um, and it's such a it's such a perfect image, and the tension and menace of me and the devil, then this softly, sincerely sung promise, it's brilliant. And I'll take care of you is just such a banger on the Jamie xx album. As I said, Drake and Rihanna just straight up took it out, man. And and it's a cover. It's not a it's no sample. Anyone who thinks that that's a sample, it's it's not. It's a, it's a straight up cover. Where did the night goes? An ode to all those nights where you sought oblivion from the demons you've been running from all day. Um, you know, the medication that gives you a renewed sense of purpose and well-being, whether that's through a bottle or a pill or whatever. Like, again, it's just, it's specific enough to, for you to listen to and be like, oh shit, this is speaking to an experience I had, but it's broad enough that you can pretty much apply any situation to it. Like, it's, it's, it's brilliantly done, man, honestly. Um, one song I do not have lived experience with, for example, is New York is Killing Me. Uh, which is, again, you might recognize that from New York by Angel Hayes. Um, have we ever done anything on Angel Hayes? I feel like we did a contemporary call. Maybe we didn't. We really should. We did? Yeah, I think we did. Um, so New York and Killing Me is, is an autobiographical expression of the various area codes Scott Heron has lived in and what sense of being that they've imparted upon him. Again, it's, it's very well done. And then we get my favorite track ever on this album of Scott Heron, one of my favorite tracks ever, running. I want to yeah, read. I want to read some of the lyrics because, the shit Damn, is. Damn, I was gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, you can read them out again. Uh, we can read them out yeah, indefinitely. Like they're just so impactful. Yeah,
1: no, it's just re- it's just re- GSH lyrics in <sighs> perpetuity. It's incredible, man. That's so our episode, he says.
0: "...because I always feel like running, not away because there is no such place, because if there was, I would have found it by now, because it's easier to run, easier than staying and finding out you're the only one who didn't run, because running will be the way your life and mine will be described, as in the long run, or as in having given someone a run for his money, or as in running out of time, because running makes me look like everyone else, though I hope there will never be cause for that." because I will be running in the other direction. Not running for cover, because if I knew where cover was, I would stay there and never have to run for it. Not running for my life, because I have to be running for something of more value. To be running and not in fear, because the thing I fear cannot be escaped, eluded, avoided, hidden from, protected from, gotten away from, not without showing the fear as I see it now. Like, that is the wildest thing. I mean, firstly, he's saying, I always feel like running, not away, because there is no such place, because if there was, I would have found it by now. Like, that's just three lines, three of the most evocative lines ever. Like, that's just, I want to tattoo that on me somewhere. It's brilliant. But then at the end, we get this couplet of like, because the thing I fear cannot be escaped, eluded, avoided, hidden from, protected from, gotten away from. He's just trying to make sure you don't find some loophole in what he's saying. He's saying to you, There's nothing you can do. The crushing weight of what you're experiencing is how you will experience it until the end of your day. So you're going to have to fucking deal with it. And that's brutal. That's brutal. Again, this is coming from a man who has lived a long and very intense life. He's experienced a lot of different things. He's attempted a lot of different things to overcome the things that he was feeling. And this album just came out at the perfect time for me. I was really unwell. And when I heard this song, it's just taken on new meaning as I've gotten older and, and gone in different directions in my life. And he's right. Like, you know, you just you can't run away. Like everyone that I've met who is trying to run away from something, whether it, usually it's part of themselves that they're not comfortable with, it ends up just destroying their life or destroying connections or relationships or whatever. Like it, it's just you just can't run from these things. And I don't know, man, This I, I wrote a lot. I don't want to read it all out, because I just want to say, I just want to impress upon people that this is a special song, and this is a very, very, very special album, like, this is not as not an album that you would have ever heard before, if you've never heard it before, this is not something, like something you would have ever heard, I can't find a good comparison, you know, I said Johnny Cash, kind of, but again, like, not really, because Johnny Cash is... Yeah, he's lived a long life and he's experienced a lot of things and he's dealt with his own demons and certainly they come out in his music on those those final American recordings or whatever they called them. I I think there were four of them. Um but it's just not the same. Like Gil Scott-Heron is just completely different artist. Like please go listen to this album if you've never listened to it because it's fucking special.
1: Yeah, no. Um it was actually a interview I spun uh, with Rick Rubin uh, on it, and I was just uh, as you were talking. I was just trying to find uh, the uh, the transcript for the interview. So it's from the Ezra Klein show, uh, and yeah, Ezra Klein interview show, Ezra Klein show. That's what it's called. Uh, and yeah, just interviews Rick Rubin. P.S. they see the recent book. Uh, I think it's either like called the tower of Recre- the creative act, a way of being. That's that's the that's the book. But um, yeah, he was asking. Um, he asked him something about Johnny Cash, and uh, it's literally I'm literally just typing up Cash. <laughs> just to find uh, what what he said about uh, about it, because I just found it super, just super freaking fascinating. Uh right uh, yeah so you start uh da, 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 da. okay I'll try and fi- I'll try and find it as I go but um I just wanted to read it because it was kind of uh it was kind of interesting how how you came about saying Johnny Cash when literally as I was listening to this I was thinking this reminds me of how Rick Rubin was talking about Johnny Cash and just talking about how um uh what's the word uh how he kind of just had to something different and I would say that he kind of led him to a different spot you know what I mean um so here we go he says uh I was curious to know what would make a gr- what would a great new Johnny Cash album sound like and I had no idea what that was and usually with the eyes I work with I have no idea what's going to be man backstage etc etc uh, he didn't know many modern songs, but he knew songs from the past, and he knew songs from his childhood or from before he was born that I'd never heard before, and he would sing me these beautiful songs. And I recorded the songs, not with the idea of any, anyone hearing them. I recorded them more as a reference, the same way that we make notes in the studio. I'll record these songs so that we have a reference to all the songs that you play me, and if there's a question between which songs we do, we listen back and decide. It comes down to choosing between two songs. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of just um it leads on to talking about kind of just how it came about right and over time it became clear to me that none of the experiments we did were better than what happened on the couch uh, as a previous one he was talking about doing shit on the couch basically uh, but yeah it was it was, it was just it's just something I thought about when you were talking but um, on the Heron uh, album it was just um Scott Heron album I was kind of um. I was kind of jarred by um just the just that kind of link uh that you kind of half made because i feel like you know out of all, out of most eyes when you think about an artist that kind of puts his pain on wax pretty much all the time every possible moment i think of johnny cash right um, Not that I've listened to much Johnny Cash. That's probably why I haven't listened to much Johnny Cash, because it just, just comes off as depressing as shit to me. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I'm just not into recreational sadness, right? Um, But Ben has put me on this for homework, so I had to do it on this front. But even with that said, it's not even... I wouldn't count it as that sad because of the first... of the tracks that bookend this album. Um, I'll just call them the Broken Home tracks, because... I find those particular tracks very, um, a very uh, enlightening, um, especially on kind of like lessons learned, so to speak. I feel like when you listen to someone like Gil Scott Heron, you listen for lessons and you listen for experience and maybe, uh, and maybe empathy, maybe not sympathy, but definitely empathy. Um, but he goes, um, at some point, let me just be specific uh i came from what they called a broken home but they never really called it a house they would have known how wrong they were we were working on our lives and our homes dealing with what we had not what we didn't have and there you go and he talks about um being guided by women and uh and thanking his mother but um, just that particular few lines, in the same way um, and as you mentioned in the first few lines of running, um, I feel like, you know, even if you didn't come from, quote-unquote, a broken home or any of that, or consider yourself, don't consider yourself working class or whatever, or poor at any time in poverty, etc., I feel like that's a really interesting mindset to describe it um even rappers, you know, just say it, you know, uh came from came from this, came from that. Right, and they just wax lyrical about where they came from and are very obvious about it. But they're using terminology that, that was given to them. You know? And then here comes Gil Go Heron using vernacular that is kind of unique and a way of describing uh In this case, poverty. In this case, a broken home, quote unquote, and flipping it and saying, you know, we didn't call, we don't call it that. (laughs) You don't call it that. You just call it your home, right? Whatever, whatever it is, uh, compared to others, people will obviously feel free to describe it how it is. Um, But I don't think that is always the way of going about it where you just you know someone calls it a broken home and you're just like oh yeah it's like when people say single mothers and instead of saying absent fathers or whatever the situation is there's different ways of obviously wording stuff um but i just like the way he worded that because it came off just very very on point um The fun fact I learned about the Me and Devil track was that it was actually a combo of a Robert Johnson track and also just some stuff that he wrote in the 70s, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of uh, interesting considering of how, uh, well, amongst, uh, I guess, uh, people that listen to Gil Scott Heron, one of his best tracks, um, considering this, you know, having... Stuff that was from the seventies and it still rings very real and is still evergreen. Um, I mean, what is what is sinning, right? You know, what I mean, that's just that's a that's an evergreen concept. <laughs> it's always happening. Um, so it can never that's a that's an easy thing to go. That's an easy road to go down in terms of you know evergreen subject matter. Um, but you know, does obviously in his own way. And yeah, running as well, um, I wanted to also just you know give a shout out to because of that, and also just I don't know if it it, it rung very true to not just me but a lot of people um that I know, and you know running the rat race, all that kind of wordology. all that kind of wordsology and um yeah, it just it just really got me thinking i guess about. You know, like he says it here, as in the long run, or having, uh, or as in having given someone a run for his money, or as in running out of time. It's always running out of stuff and running from something and running in general. And you know, I try my damnest in life not to just not to take everything at a running pace. Um, ironically, I stopped. <coughs> Ironically, I stopped running um, competitively as a kid uh, because I found TV, and I was just like, "This, this is, this is more fun. This is slow. I like it. This is my pace. This is my speed." So, so I invested in that, right? And even now, it's like I'm sitting down. I'm just talking into a mic, and that feels slow to me. It doesn't feel fast, and I kind of like that speed um and it's why i enjoy stuff like photography it's why i enjoy stuff like screenwriting because it's slow it's a uh, it's not i can do <coughs> all these things can be done fast you know i mean everything can be done fast but why do that you know it rushing things it can lead the running leads into that leads into rushing and leads into things that aren't actually done properly um that's how i interpret it anyway but that's obviously why it's so good because you can take running and the concept of running and obviously GSH comes uh, comes through with uh, the meaning of, you know, running away. But you can use that running uh, symbolism and apply it to asking yourself, why are you running all the time? You know, and then uh, interrogating that within yourself. Why are you running all the time? Why are you running the speed uh you know at the speed of life <laughs> kind of thing right uh it, it's just yeah just just leaves me down interesting roads in terms of thought and obviously that's what spoken word's supposed to do and uh and that's why Gil scott one of the uh legends of that particular um subsect of music um because it's so poignant and uh i forgot what word you you said a couple of times but i found that pretty solid uh evocative i feel like that's exactly what it is um and the fact that it's only half an hour is very good as well cuz it doesn't it doesn't uh you know it doesn't uh, overstay its welcome in that fashion um but it's definitely something that you can pick at least if you find like one track that that you can that you can sink your teeth into and actually read the lyrics as well and understand um and just apply it to yourself and feel it and then it's kind of a success for me in my mind you know so yeah man it's a solid album hello
0: yeah i agree
1: oh yeah and it was episode 122 of the contemporary call which features angel hayes there you by go the
0: see so, we just we're the best we are the best we're better than the rest Fuck man, I could be a Jack Harlow with that kind of fucking word. <laughs> out there. holy shit. Hang on, let me criticize. Let me criticize another rapper, just so it doesn't feel like I'm singling out Jack Harlow. It could be G Easy as well. So it's not just Jack Harlow slander over here, guys. It's G Easy and Jack Harlow slander. The twin peaks of slanderous <laughs> rappers.
1: And we move on to our, my record. Uh, which, which is uh, g <laughs> album. Which is g Smooth transition. <laughs> Smooth transition, it's a G, fucking easy, goddamn. Um, but yeah, no, I'm getting into uh, Chase and Stay is, um, the technically duo, um, but there's also MC Rage who, you know, kind of... Uh, performs with. Uh, but Apparently, he left officially in 2021. Um, but yeah, Jason Stas, uh, Saul Milton, uh, Will Kennard, Chase and Stas, and um, yeah, this is the album No More Idols, um, uh, which just pff, the reason why I'm partly talking about it. Um, I mean, most of the time I pick albums that um, that kind of mean something to me personally in some fashion. Uh, when it comes to um, it comes to doing hip hop neighbors, but um, you know, that is, that's not entirely true. There was one where we did uh, Rage Against the Ma- Machine, and I just wanted to do that because I actually hadn't listened to Rage Against the Machine yet, apart from you know, the main tracks. Um, but you know, that was kind of just uh, more interest in anything, and it was probably the you know, one of the most perfect ones we could do for this uh, particular mini series, but um, yeah, No More Idols, um, really comes on a uh, it really becomes a point in my life where this was really what I was into, um, having that drum and bass, hip hop mix, um, electronic, dubstepy at times. Right, uh, just the singles themselves. Right, it's it. It's, there's a on the Wikipedia. It has one, two, three, four, five, six. I think one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Can't count. But yeah, seven singles, right? And they all slap. They all fucking slap. They're all actually iconic in their own way. Um so and then and then there's the album itself, which is overall 15 tracks. So literally half of the album came out already before the album. And it was already solid. It was already like if that was an EP, that would be like my that'll be like the goated EP, honestly. Just it would be just absolutely outstanding. Um but you know, then you get into the album itself and um there's a ton of versions of it um you know feel free to go on uh, your streaming platform there's literally like full versions on Tidal itself which is just hilarious to me um but oh i don't know what it is about this album that hits so fucking good to me um as i said at this time this is what i was into i actually wasn't into hip hop at this time well fully anyway you know there was, was obviously stuff I liked but um it wasn't who I was who I am now basically right it's just um a younger Charlie that was just into very loud shit and turning you know turning the earphones up to 11 and blowing every uh 20 quid skull candy earphones I had within a space of three months uh that was, that was, that was, that was that was where I, had, because so I was gonna going going to have tinnitus
0: to go. at some point in his future, specifically <laughs> because of this album, and you he's not Mutey gonna give a thing?
1: shit. I don't know what you're saying, but it's, but it's hilarious. I hope it's hilarious.
0: Luckily, I've just <laughs> muted on Google Meet. It will, it will turn up in the recording. I was just saying, you're gonna have tinnitus at some point in your life, and it's gonna be because of this album, <laughs> and you're not gonna give a shit. You're gonna be like, you know what? Totally fucking
1: worth it. Not gonna give a shit. Not gonna give a shit. Totally fucking worth it. The only thing I don't—the only thing that really annoys me about this—is that um, I wasn't old enough to hear up shows. Well, I probably was old enough to hit up shows, but I just never had the the uh, the interest to actually like. Oh yeah, I want to hear this shit live. You know what I mean? And it would have been sick if I saw this live. Um, but yeah, you know, it comes across 67 um, on Metacritic, which is very interesting to me. I Didn't even know that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, apparently, it's not the greatest reviewed of anything. Um, I'm not sure whether that's just because of uh the maybe odd sequencing because there are times in this album it's not a perfect album by any means I'm not peer to I'm not here to proclaim this as the greatest album of all time or anything it's not but there are some just iconic bangers that I still listen to to this day and that's why I'm talking about it um but you know there are some kind of like sequencing issues I would say um having uh, I don't know, just uh, blind faith and then fool yourself afterwards. It was kind of a little bit a little bit shaky for me cause I listen to Let You go and then blind you listen to Let You Go and blind faith. and it's just so ooh, it they both just hit so different, especially blind faith. That shit is superhero music. <laughs> it's fucking it's fucking outstanding. The amount of times I hear hear that track during like sports events, you know, when they end when they end the show and it's just like highlights of the of the, what just happened. That's what's playing. They're playing Blind Faith, most likely, right? It's just one of those tracks. Um, if you're obviously a FIFA fan, no problem. It's obviously on FIFA twelve. Um, so you know that's goaded in in a lot of people's minds of just uh, opening up the game and it has a uh, Takura. I'm um, going I move like water, I go with the flow, and uh, you know, you know the rest, right? And that's a tune. And then it goes deeper and then you have hypers hype with Temper Where's Tempert gone actually? I haven't I haven't seen Tempert in a while. Um I, I love Temper He's thirty eight, fucking hell, didn't even realise he was that old. Um but yeah. Jim Giant tabs and then the bass drop, fuck, heavy. Heavy, heavy track, heavy, heavy track. Um, That actually actually doesn't uh, involve uh, the track Heavy uh, (laughs) with with Dizzy Rascal, um, which is literally what it says. And, uh, you know, going from Hype is Hype to Hits with Tiny Temper and Heavy with Dizzy Rascal is a heavy fucking three track stretch for me personally. I love all three of those tracks to death um, in their own way. Um, as with most Tiny Temper lyrics, it hasn't really aged well. Call me Rob Pattinson. I've got a lot of niggas jealous. Yeah, very, uh, you know, uh, it's interesting to be referencing Twilight. Um, <laughs> Twilight, at, uh, obviously, Robert Pattinson's uh, mainstream peak at that point. That um, yeah, it doesn't really age well for me as a, gas, uh, as a gas lyric. But, you know, we're here. It's Tiny Temper. I respect him uh, for even trying. Um, but yeah, you know... I'm not even too into Bricks and Briefcase overall, which has CeeLo Green on it. I feel like I don't know if people actually, you know, haven't a, a gauge whether people like that track or not. But it's a, even that. Something, I you know, it's not the greatest track for me personally. But then you have Hocus Pocus, which gets into this kind of like runs of like a sub focus track, um, but then it just delves into more dubstep um, as it gets as it gets as the track gets older. But then you have this. Finishing uh, like kind of five tracks, starting with "Flashing Lights," which I still listen to to this day and has the regular—it's on the regular rotation. And again, superhero kind of track for me personally. Thinking about it, um, and then you have "Embrace," which is lyrically out of fucking standing. Like, <laughs> just I'm not even—I wasn't even into—I'm not even into that. For The music per se, I just really love the lyrics that come out of that. Um, I'm gonna just load it up as I talk, but um, yeah, getting I'll get back to that in a second. But fuck, it's just heavy, heavy lyrics. I love the lyrics on that one, right? And then you have time with Delilah, and again, has this just has this power to it. I love it, I, I it has this power to it that I really, uh, um, I really enjoy. Um, there's just Funny enough, you know, running. We were talking about. I think another evergreen subject matter, which is always always referenced and will always hit me in some fashion, is when someone talks about time in a very good way. Um, and you know, it, while this while time itself as a track isn't you know lyrically dense or anything, it kind of it kind of has that you know essence to it, the of running out of time. Uh, to reference *Girls Coherent* again, and. Um, <laughs> and that has this uh, kind of heartbeat thing going on as well uh which I really like uh and midnight cooler with Claire Maguire very solid and then end credits with the uh, with the uh, plan B might need to do a defamation defamation of Strickland banks uh, on this uh, on the on the, um hip-hop neighbors as well because um plan B is a very fascinating character um in the music scene um from back in you know 10 or so years ago. I mean, he uh, I didn't actually realise he was doing music, you know, back in 2006. But it was only until, you know, tracks like this and The Defamation of Strickland Banks, which in, in 2010, is when he actually, you know, popped off and, uh, you know, and then just went into acting and uh, I don't know what he's doing now. But hopefully he's good because he is a solid artist and chase and is rely on him for a couple of uh, writing credits on this particular album um, including let you go, and uh, obviously that one as well, and fool yourself, apparently. So there you go. um, shout out to the <laughs> shout out to the doors um sample on hype is hype. I totally forgot about that. It's as if they paid for that that door sample and they rinsed it to fucking high heaven. <laughs> they just dist- <laughs> they were just like we are using this sample as much as possible, um, <laughs> which is uh, very. Hilarious to me. I don't know if that's the case, but it's just um, it, it, kind of how it comes off to me. Um, but yeah, this uh, I'm just reading these uh, Embrace lyrics and then I'll kind of finish it there because, I mean, all I've said is that I like this album, here's why, but <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> while it includes a lot of, obviously, um, uh, 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 British acts such as Liam Bailey, Tiny Tenpart, Dizzy Rascal, um and sub-focus, actually. I just, I just realised they did flashing lights with sub-focus, even though I mentioned sub-focus on Hocus Pocus bars. Um, but, yeah, let me just read these. Um, uh, Look how the stars come out. Big time breakdown. Why didn't you just shout, I'm lonely, without looking for a place to go where everything's an embrace and everybody wants to know? I don't know, man. There's just something about that. I can't decipher it right now, but it's just uh, one of those things. I'll just leave. i just let Steep Dogs lie and... Uh, I just uh, enjoy it for what it is, but let me just uh, <laughs> as you talk, Ben. I'm just gonna read this uh, uh, <laughs> this one star review. Uh, I think it's one star. Uh, let me check. Uh, yeah, a one star review from Enemy. So uh, I'm just gonna sink my teeth into that as you talk because Enemy. I, I mean, you would. Expect I love reading NME. <laughs> shit on reviews <laughs> from albums I actually enjoy. Uh, so you I'm gonna, would I'm expect Enemy to that.
0: like an album like this. Like, I'm a bit shocked that they. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's not my favorite mm-hmm. album in the world. Um, firstly, no problem is a straight up banger. Like it's a it's a stomp. Um, when it came on, I was like, wow. Uh, but the feature list is very fascinating. I mean, the first problem comes ironically from the song no problem because Takuri isn't listed on Spotify for some reason as the yeah. feature, which I found really weird because everyone else is listed. And
1: and he's featured in other yeah. other works of theirs. Yeah. That he works with anyway. <coughs> he's worked so with them multiple
0: not, times. Not so you know, obviously, he's yeah, a frequent the- collaborator. And they didn't feel the need to to credit him. But certainly, he drives the entire song. I remember while I was listening to it, and I was I was looking at the at Chase and Status. I'm like, whose vocals are these? Is this Chase's or Status's vocals? Because it was there was no feature. I like, assumed it was their vocals. It was it was a bit confusing. White Lies are on here doing their best Depeche mode impression, which I very much appreciated dizzy rascal on heavy uh which is a banger and you know it's a very diverse list of features and sounds i think think of gorillas but if you replace damon Albarn with calvin harris that's what i view this album as but you know calvin harris in his 2014 phase you know what was that album that came out fucking hell he's he had he had a terrible album because we did a whole calvin harris episode did we do his whole did we do his whole
1: episode
0: and Did we go. do an episode, an entire yeah. episode on Calvin Harris? Yes, we <laughs> See, do. Charlie and I we we don't disagree yeah. on a lot go. motion. Him again. Motion. That's the um Charlie and I don't disagree on a yeah, lot, but we disagree awesome. on on this kind of music. Um but, you know, outside of, outside of uh, look, it, it's a hit and miss album. The, the track with Tiny Tempah, it sounds amazing. Like, it sounds like something that would have come out of Scott Storch's studio in the mid-2000s. It's a banger. And I think it's the most hip-hop beat on the album to me. I like that track. Um, yeah, I think it's the definitive hit or miss album because, you know, if you like country slash power-pop thrusts, you've got a couple of tracks. If you like hip-hop, you've got a couple of tracks. If you like rock, there's a couple of kiss-level shreds on top of searing synths. Some dance music here. Um it's all over the place. And you know, that's that's cool, man. Like I I don't have any issue with it. A A few scattered hip hop It's a mosh. It's 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 a mosh. And again, this is the kind of album that I would have fucking loved back in two thousand and eight to two thousand and twelve. This is the kind of music I was like I love this. Like this would have just destroyed my speaker. Yeah. It's peak here. It would have destroyed my like. But just everything yeah, was EDM it's, it's...
1: mixed with something else, <laughs> love it. Yeah, and
0: I, you know, it's just that these songs don't really fit my daily life anymore. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm 34. I'm old. My ear, I got tinnitus. My ears are all fucked up. I can't sleep. I've only slept an hour last night. My back hurts. My hand hurts for some reason when I do this, but I don't know why. My doctor doesn't know why. Like I'm, I'm so old. Yeah, I'm too hand, old hands to be My been in
1: as well. Actually, my thumb. Yeah.
0: yeah see, there's a bit of mis- reciprocity there between Charlie and I across the across the the pond but yeah look i don't dislike this album i just it it doesn't really hit for me now but i know that if i'd listened to it back then it would have it would have hit for me hard and i'd never heard it before i'd never listened to it chasing status I was like how are they getting these massive features because they only have what 1 million 2 million spotify monthly listeners and they've they got heavy hitters on here man this is not a it's not a bedroom operation this this is some serious shit behind it you know
1: yeah, um, the enemy uh, review wasn't even a review, it was just like a news item about uh, people getting crushed at one of their shows and them stopping the show to say move back, that's literally what the, <laughs> literally what this is the recap of their Reading wow. uh, reading set, um, so yeah, that was, I so don't know if that's uh, pretty well, useless, whoever, whoever's on the Wikipedia mod, um, oh so it wasn't uh, even a review at all, it was just, it oh here was... we go, here's a little bit. Okay, it's a little bit. Uh, obviously one out of ten. But reviewer Ash, Dol- dos, I don't want to butcher that surname, so I'm just say Ash, calling it quote soulless nonsense.
0: Yeah, I read that too. Actually,
1: <laughs> soulless nonsense. Ah, outstanding. But no, I feel like this is just a. It's a time capsule for sure. Um, it's not something that they would make now. Um Yeah, what kind of music are they haven't... making now?
0: I'm curious about that because I haven't listened to their Um
1: I I mean the most re the most the most recent one I listened to um um I don't think I listened to Oh yeah I did listen to what came before last last year. I don't really remember that hard. But um, I remember Run Run to Return to Jungle, which is literally just a jungle album. Um and has the a lot on there, if I remember correctly. Um but yeah, you know, before that, it was their debut album, uh, "More Than A Lot," which um, was kind of had, you know, kind of had uh, some good. Had Kano on "Against All Odds," which is one of my favorite fucking tracks. I really love that track to death. I still listen to it. Um, but you know, past that, it's kind of just um, breakbeat, mainly drummer and bass, a little bit of dubstep in there as well. Um, so, and also has Plan B. But I could have picked, um, I could have picked that one or this one. Honestly, I only picked this one because. It was kind of just, um, it was kind of just the what I consider just the peak of this particular um, uh, sound and homo- homogeny, <laughs> if anything, um, because you know this a lot of the a lot of the singles fucking charted um, in in this one like uh, uh, end credits went number nine on the UK singles. Let you go went to number eleven on the UK singles. Hypers uh, hype. Is type. Did chart number seventy on the UK singles. Uh Blind Faith was number five. Time went number twenty one. Hits went number eleven. And flashing lights, I don't think did. So there you go. Six out of seven. Um but hey man, that's 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 good in terms of just, you know, um homogeny, right? Again, this is kind of just what it is. It's a time capsule of what was what was just kind of pop at this point uh in in 2011 or yeah 2011 when this dropped right on the cusp of it kind of just you know going downhill after 2013 um but yeah man i uh, i do i love this album just for obviously from a nostalgia point of view um but also just um i don't know some of the not all of the tracks again i'm not saying this is a perfect album by any means it's not um there's you know the 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 amalgamation aspect can be a little uh can be a little jarring, and can you know kind of just stretch your limits of what you're into, because um, there's people that are into something like hits, and then there is people uh that are into something like fool yourself, and those two are very different tracks, but they feature on the same album. Practically one track in between them <laughs> is in between the two. Um, so you know, it's it can it, it can it, it's it's an album that goes all over the place. Um, but I do feel that when after listening to it, I do feel that depending on your taste, you can get a favorite from it, and you can be like someone like me that can, you know, that in in a particular situation, I can I can blast heavy. If I'm in another situation, I can blast flashing lights and blind faith. In another situation. I can blast time or end credits. Um, I do feel there's um just a lot to a lot to take. There a lot to a lot that you can take positively from this. Um, but maybe as an album, probably you know, like get, I, like I said, not perfect at, by any means. But um the features are solid. Um the music itself, we've said what it is. Uh but yeah man, I just uh, I think it's I think it's a testimony to Just how interesting this era was, especially. Um, And kind of unique in a sense because uh, I kind of miss, in some ways, I miss artists. And I've said, I've probably said this before, um, but you know, I miss artists going somewhere else with a feature of theirs. And it's just, and it just opens your eyes, right? Having like Georgia Smith on that Predator beat a few years ago. uh, you know, that I finally found what went wrong. That garage beat is flames and Georgia Smith skates on it. It literally sounds like something from the fucking 90s, right? And not that, not that I'm saying bring back <laughs> the amalgamation of dubstep, <laughs> dubstep rock and hip hop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm was... not saying that by any means.
0: <laughs> Please don't. There were a lot of misses and but... <laughs> not many hits. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, but, in general, um, having you know, artists just you know come out of there. I mean, for, speaking of Georgia Smith, she just did a song with Nia Archives just recently, and that's kind of a banger as well. Um, so it can be dumb. I just wish um, Ice would kind of do that kind of collaboration because I don't feel like they do anymore. Um, so um, that's nothing to do with Chase's Deus in my, many terms. Just off the back of you know the fact they had again, a very interesting litany of uh, of of, of uh, featured artists from, you know, CeeLo Green to White Lies to, you know, Sub Focus and then Dizzy Rascal of all people. But um yeah, it's uh there there's there's stuff you can take from it, I would I would I would ha- love to say. I would love to say. <laughs> there are things you could take from it. Or you could be Ben and reference him to Calvin Harris like a dickhead.
0: Yeah, well, you like Calvin Harris, so, you know, that wasn't a criticism.
1: I do like Calvin Harris. I do like Calvin
0: Harris. He created disco, did you know?
1: Put it on my tombstone.
0: I like Calvin Harris. Charlie likes Calvin 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 Harris's motion. He likes it. He thinks it's I don't like motion.
1: Motion's ass. Oh, is it? You don't like it. I thought you liked that one. Motion is flapping cheeks' ass, all right? All right, that's Motion is... Motion is... Alright, it's 18 months, by the way. We shall move on and finish up before I just start referencing, uh, you know, twerk imagery. Um, And move on to... (laughs) If there's anything else on your mind apart from twerking, Ben.
0: Uh, Twerking's not often on my mind, actually. It's very rarely on my mind. And when it is, it's only on there for a very short period of time. And then
1: I continue. You're not not thinking about big booty cheeks? Okay
0: yeah i mean look i'm not a you know i'm 34 i'm old man like i'm so old i'm not young i'm 35 this year my grandma turns 98 this year that's madness bro i don't want to live to 98 fuck that <laughs> too old <laughs> okay Everyone, all your friends every all your friends die and you're just left alone it's it's depressing i reckon i reckon 75 to 82 that's that's the sweet spot right there get to 82 82 yeah 82 is a good number that's a solid number. That means I've got forty-seven years left. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I'm okay. I want to just, you know, I want to see how some some careers play out first. Like, I'm very curious to what Travis Scott will sound like in 2040. You know what I mean? Like, that's gonna be that's my reason right. for living. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely.
1: Definitely. Because I I, 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 that's a good point. Actually, I just, I mean, we've, uh, I've, I've said this to, um, did you I know, say it to, um. I think I said it to yeah I said it to Matthew Zia when when I did the Tambone Bones interview. But I said, and he was he did his top five, and he just re- he just said artists that are, are over over forty. And I was like, this there's a book that needs to be written at some point, which is literally just about hip hop aging. And we've talked about it before, um, you know, referencing the likes of Nas. Um, I asked Vic Spencer about it, like you know, it's, it's something that fascinates me as a subject, and you know. Hip hop turning 50 in ETA, what three weeks now? Um, uh, four weeks, I think, but yeah, you know, a month in a month's time that turning 50. And it, yeah, I, I would, I would, I, it's, it's always something that I think about where I just think, damn, what's what's gonna, what's a Sims album gonna sound like in 20 30 years? I, I really don't know. I would love to know. Uh, what would a pff, shit. Like uh, what? What would the freaking uh I don't know? For some names, like what? well, I mean, I think. Look, I think uh, what, the sad what?
0: thing is, you know, someone said the other day because I asked what current rap, what current rappers could hold a classic album with no features, right? And someone replied, "Well, oh, what, right, yeah. So, what's a current rapper?" And I felt like saying, "Well, just anyone." who's still rapping, and people were kind of like, well, that's lots of people. I'm like, yes, but it's also not a lot of people. Like, when you consider how many people were active and how many people have been active in the mainstream or even just in the widespread consciousness of hip-hop artists, the vast majority of them are not active anymore. So the sad thing, I think, is that it's... um, You know, there are a lot of artists that were like, oh, I can't wait to hear what they sound like in 30 years, and we might get 30 years down the track, and they're just not releasing music anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that would be... That would be. Sad. I mean, last Slick Rick album was what ninety ninety nine. Like you know, that was twenty four fucking years ago. That's a long time. And he pops up every now. Queen Latifah popped up on a feature last year, was it? Well, maybe the year before, and she was on Rhapsody's album. Like these are art. MC Light, Ly- when's MC? I haven't heard anything from MC Light Ly- in a long time. Like where? That's what I mean. Like that's that's the sad thing. But I will. I am interested always to see, yeah, what direction artists go in as they age, because. It's a very, especially in the mid-30s to early 40s time frame, where you're like, yeah, I'm not young anymore, so I can't really sing about or rap about all the stuff I was rapping about before. So where do you go from there? Like, it, it's always fascinating
1: to me. I always I always believe it and I always believe it in the sense of um, or see it in the sense of, uh, I, you know, I don't see it as comparable at all to a majority of who, who we've been talking about. Um, but like, you know, Bruce still doing, still doing live shit, bro. I don't know if he's dropping albums.
0: I'll tell you what. He's still doing live shit. His show is one of the most intolerable things I've ever seen in my life. I got a free ticket to go see it for my birthday and shout out the person who bought it for me because they thought they were buying me a gift. And about two hours and 10 minutes into the show, I was over it. I was over it after half an hour. I'm like, is he still going? And I said to my friend, like, how much longer is this motherfuckers going to keep singing? And he's like, well, sometimes these shows go for three and a half hours. I'm like, no, <laughs> he's already sung 25 songs. Like, you could do another 20. Like, this is madness. And I just, I left and I couldn't stand it. This is, this, this is such a thing as too long for a concert. Okay, anything over two hours, you've got to be fucking cigar or have a Jay-Z catalog. I'm not hanging around, bro. Like, that's too long. How is he still doing that at his age as well?
1: <laughs> that's impressive, uh, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's impressive. Um, but even when that, yeah, no, I've, I've, I think live performing is a little bit different than dropping art, right? Um, well, there's implication that it. you
0: have to perform when you drop, though. Like, I don't know if that's going to change, but it seems like that's. I mean, a lot uh, of the time, that's probably yeah. the only reason, the only way a lot of people are going to recoup, especially in today's Oh yeah, streaming. of course. So yeah,
1: it's kind of it's kind of a necessity at this point. Um it's a you know, and while I I would I would like to just do like a an anonymous straw poll of just artists and ask them about, you know, doing live shows and especially doing like tours. And obviously it differs from like a Beyonce who's been, you know, on a world tour for like, you know, however fucking long now. Uh compared to, you know, someone who's just doing, you know, a few cities in UK, right? A little bit, little bit different uh, in in scale. But I do wonder if they actually genuinely enjoy it, um, or maybe it's just one of those things where you know there are pros and cons to to it all. Um, there's actually a good. Re- there's actually um, Danny Brown recently talks about it on his show. I forgot who with. I forgot which episode it was specifically. Um, but it was very recent, and he was talking about just you know the fact that he's going on tour with Peggy and, uh, you know, that he, he was just referencing stuff that he doesn't like about Torian, but then he referenced stuff he does like about Torian. and uh, <laughs> it was just like, there was a story told on one of them where it was just, uh, like, he just needed one of the, whoever it was, I think it was the guest, but he needed a shit, so he just got a paper bag, took a shit, and just yeeted it before, before, before they performed, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know why that's the case, but, you know, had to be done, right? And that's kind of just uh, you know, not every not every talk can facilitate. Over <laughs> oh the toilet. Um, that sounds uh, yeah, man. I don't, I don't know where this conversation's gone, but
0: yeah. Well, it's going towards me seeing O7O Shake next Sunday, and hopefully we the Metro will provide her with the all the facilities bag. that she needs. Bye. <laughs> the pipeline is back open man live shows i'm back i'm back into going to live shows and i'm curious man i'm curious to see what her live show sounds like if she's going to play you know her legendary features or is she just gonna i don't care man if she plays modes vivendi and her what was the last album that came out last year i think um man i don't care if she just plays those two albums i'm i'm well sorted i'm i'm actually mad excited it's one of the first live shows i've been genuinely excited to see probably since jid last year um yeah, man. It's, I think it's gonna be. Could be amazing. It Could be shit house, but uh, it could be amazing. I think it might be amazing. It's very expensive. The ticket's like 100, 120 bucks or something. So it's just not. It's not a cheap show. It's not thirty bucks. I'm keen, man. I'm super keen.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we'll uh we'll look forward to report whenever uh, the episode after that happens, and uh, we'll leave that there, ladies and gentlemen. From the Fifth In Podcast Network. It's been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoy this episode. i have a child of Fifth Element
0: I'm of Hip Hop Numbers.
1: We hope you cool. have a good week. Make sure I always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Alright, peace. The in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is piece and video games by bonus points thanks to the Chill for Music. Fiddly biddy to use. Socials with Felman Hip Hop by numbers, bonus points, and Chill Music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed. We'll be listening. This has been FireVP in production. Like thanks for spending time with us. We shall see you next time. On again, in the Digits.